0: You're listening to the COVID-19 Update, a podcast from the CSIS Global Health Policy Center focused on the science and policy implications of the outbreak. I'm Andrew Schwartz of the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and I'm joined by my colleague, Steve Morrison, to discuss the latest on COVID-19.
1: We're delighted today to be joined By Helen Branswell, senior writer on infectious diseases at STAT, an award-winning and widely renowned reporter. Uh, Helen, thanks so much for joining us. You were last with us almost exactly a year ago on April 2nd of last year. So thanks again for joining us.
0: Wow, that feels like about eight years ago.
1: It does, doesn't it? Helen was with the Canadian Press for a number of years. And for the first 14 years of your career, you you were not an infectious disease reporter. It was really around 2000 that you, you made the switch. And then it's just taken off since then. SARS, Ebola, Zika, pandemic, flu. You joined STAT in 2015, as I recall, and, and have won numerous awards. Most recently, congratulations on the 2020 George Polk Award. You were a Neiman Fellow 2010-2011. Let's start with the piece that appeared this morning that you authored, where you raised the question, are vaccines having a moment? Tell us what, what you mean by that. Well, I mean, everybody's trying to get vaccinated.
0: You know, everybody's trying to find a COVID vaccine. That's probably not true. They're probably, you know, in fact, we know that's not true. There are lots of hesitant or nervous people who are are hiding behind the eager throngs, but there certainly are a lot of people trying to get vaccinated. And it's kind of an unusual circumstance. I mean, adult vaccination isn't a booming area. There are vaccines that adults should get and often don't. So I, I just wanted to ask the question, you know, could this engender enthusiasm for appreciation of vaccine in a way that we haven't seen for a while? And so I talked to a bunch of experts
1: to see what they thought. Do you think that this kind of emotional sense that's associated with vaccines by so many people, a sense of joy, of relief, of liberation, of of, of gratitude, I mean feelings as we've as we've learned from your work, from the work Heidi Larson's work, we we were teamed together in a high-level panel looking at vaccine confidence misinformation? Emotions are terribly important around vaccines. And I take it from your reading your piece this morning, you're raising the question, is this going to be one of those really enduring historical moments where this generation moves forward in time, carrying this belief that in fact, vaccines are a terribly great thing? Do you think that's, is that what you're detecting in your conversations with people? I think people think
0: that there are gains that could be made off of the back of the COVID vaccine rollout programs. You know, if people get into the habit of getting vaccinated, and that could happen if we need, you know, regular boosts to our COVID vaccines, if people get into the habit of needing to be vaccinated and seeing the benefits of vaccination, you know, it might be easier to persuade them to keep an eye on, for instance, whether or not their tetanus shot is up to date, whether or not they should now be getting shingles vaccine, whether or not they should be getting pneumococcal vaccine as they get over 65. Adult vaccination is a hard field. It, it you know, There aren't really good systems for urging adults to get vaccinated in the way that baby well visits and whatnot. You know, capture children at a, at the particular points when they're supposed to be vaccinated. So, if people get used to the notion that vaccination is something that they need to to think about and and maintain, then I think the experts I spoke to felt like there could be some gains. Yes.
1: Yes, I mean the profundity and the scope of the changes in people's lives and the disruptions and socially and economically and professionally. and and families and everything else. I mean, and vaccines stand between that set of experiences and a return to something better. And one point I think you make is that we've gotten to 70 million Americans with first dose and 11% fully vaccinated and 350 million people worldwide vaccinated. And we really have not seen much in the way of adverse effects and deaths and that's a remarkable record and i think that also contributes doesn't it to this sense of really good feeling about uh, about what this moment means
0: yeah these these vaccines have been extraordinary when you think about it i mean i can't remember if we spoke about vaccine development last april when when i was on the pod but you know last spring when dr fauci and others started talking about the speed with which Vaccines against COVID 19 could be developed. I, you know, I was telling my colleagues this is wildly optimistic. It's not going to happen on this timeline. And it did, and it was faster. And, you know, all fall, when, you know, we were anticipating results from phase three trials, I was thinking, oh, you know, some of these vaccines are going to fail because that's what happens with vaccine development. It's not, it's a very difficult thing to do and to develop a new vaccine. And, and there are always bumps in the road and, you Instead of failures, you know, we got the first two vaccines that came through were 95 and 94% effective, and that's just extraordinary. And as, you know, the weeks have rolled on through the rollout, there are very few side effects beyond sort of, you know, the type of thing that you associate with vaccination, sore arm, you know, chills, sometimes fever – I mean, these vaccines do have a short-term sort of kick, but but in terms of serious events, there's very little. You know, with the mRNA vaccines, there seems to be some association with anaphylaxis for among people who have a history of, of severe allergies, but it's not at a super high rate, and and so you know, it feels at this point like we've been just incredibly fortunate
1: with the vaccines that have been developed so far well one thing it seems to me that this raises is the possibility of a population of adults first of all grasping the scientific underpinnings of vaccines in a, in a way that's unprecedented right i mean we all talk about this we all read this prodigious outpouring of fairly complicated reporting on on vaccines and people are reading this, just soaking this up so the knowledge has improved significantly the respect for vaccines and what they're able to accomplish and implicitly is a sense of i hope of a growing sort of trust awareness of risks nothing is free of risk awareness of the risk but a a more sensible trust in the power of vaccines and the utility of vaccines. And perhaps this will help lower the temperature surrounding the discussions and make it, maybe this is naive, but perhaps this will help the effort to depoliticize this moment and make it a more normal and civil discussion. What do you think of that idea?
0: You know, I hope you're right. There are some concerning things in the polling data. You know, when people ask people about their intentions to be vaccinated, you know, it's clear that among Republicans, there's a good chunk of, of people who are not intending to be vaccinated. I think rural Republicans in particular. It was very disappointing recently to learn that President Trump had been vaccinated while he was in the White House, he and his wife. And yet that information wasn't disclosed until after he left the White House. And, you know, there was no documentation. It's quite common for political leaders to get their annual flu shot on camera or, you know, Gerald Ford was vaccinated against Swine flu back in 1976 when it was thought that there might be a swine flu pandemic emerging. It's unusual for political leaders not to use a moment like that to encourage their supporters to be vaccinated. And, you know, President Trump did not do that. And, and that now feels like a very significant lost opportunity for him to have brought his followers along with him. So, you know, I, I, hope some of the politicization comes out of this. But I do think, you know, the vestiges of it are still evident.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would add that the most recent polls, I mean, the in last month, Kaiser came out with a poll that showed 28% of Republican voters would refuse, and 18% would be on the fence, so wait and see. Well, that's almost half of the Republican population. And then this NPR, PBS NewsHour, Marist poll that just came out, nearly one half of Republican men would refuse to take and 47% who voted for Trump would not get the vaccine. And that's a that's an even starker num- set of numbers. And it seems to me that we're now in a kind of urgent dash to figure out how to deal with this reality. The President Trump did not advertise himself getting and his wife getting vaccinated. He did not join the Ad Council effort, whereas all of the other former presidents did. He did speak to CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee gathering in Orlando, and urged people to get a vaccine, but they never launched a public campaign. They had been promising a public campaign, but that got wrapped in all sorts of controversies, and never happened. And so there is a bit of a void in communications to that population. I know the Republican strategist Frank Luntz has been conducting very rapidly some focus group work, and hopefully out of that will come some insights into the thinking and how to best engage this population. But we're really playing catch up on an urgent basis right now. And if these numbers hold true. They sort of fly in the face of the more optimistic numbers that were being cast, saying that fully 60% of Americans were quite enthusiastic, either having had received vaccines or looking forward to them. This is a sort of stark counter answer to where are we right now. And if, if, if these numbers hold, we're never going to get anywhere near herd immunity. So it has huge consequences in reopening the economy. And achieving the protections that we need.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm not an expert on how to get people to agree to be vaccinated. There you know, I'm a journalist. (laughs) I, I talk to experts. But it does strike me as one of the things I've heard, you know, repeatedly from people, both for the story that we published today that you mentioned and and earlier in work on COVID is that it's become clear to people in public health who are interested in trying to get people to get vaccinated that they need to tap into people that communities trust, you know, influencers, you know, how social media has not social media so much, but advertisers or or companies have figured out that enlisting a trusted influencer has great benefit in terms of, you know, getting acceptance of a new product. Well, I think people are looking to influencers who are trusted by communities of people as a way of getting people to agree to be vaccinated. For instance, a lot of work is being done working with African American churches trying to, you know, help pastors with messaging for their congregations so that, you know, they can be trusted messengers and influencers for their communities. Surely there must be a way into the Republican community. And I mean, I confess I'm a bit surprised that President Trump didn't take the opportunity to trumpet the fact that he'd been vaccinated sooner because he does want credit for the vaccines. I mean, Operation Warp Speed obviously was started on his watch. And just last week, I believe, his office issued a statement, which I saw on Twitter, talking about the fact that people should be grateful to him when they're getting vaccinated. So,
1: you know, there's actually an interest for him. It's more an interest, it seems to me, with President Trump up to now, than more an interest in the political achievement versus the public health achievement. I I don't disagree. But,
0: you know, if you trumpet the achievement, you're trumpeting something that you want people to take up on on a public health basis. So I kind of feel like there must be a way in there somehow.
1: Yeah, I would hope that, I mean, Dr. Fauci pleaded and meet the press yesterday for President Trump to become more active, that because he is such a trusted messenger for Trump voters and Republicans. And uh, I I think we start from that point. But there's got to be many other figures in and around the Republican Party who who can become active and whose voices will be respected and listened to. And so I don't think it's impossible. I just think that we've missed the ball up to now in really having a strategy for this. And it's turning out now to be a pretty acute vulnerability to our vaccination programs. And these things have, if we have major barriers in the uptake of vaccines, it's going to have enormous consequences that really are of a matter of national security. When you talk about Reopening the national economy, reengaging the world, reopening the global economy, being able to stabilize our country socially and in terms of its health. I think we're likely to see much more attention in the coming weeks on this dimension. There are people like Jerome Adams, the surgeon former Surgeon General, Deborah Burks, who was in the White House. I mean, there were obviously criticisms lodged at the Trump administration for its mishandling of the response. There has been praise for the achievement of generating the vaccines through, as you point out, Operation Warp Speed, and more could be more emphasis could be put upon that. Um, Deborah Burke spent six and a half months on the road engaging governors and other local leaders all across the country. I would think that her voice would be important on this matter. Do you think we missed something in terms of the more recent claims that such that a rising level of Americans were were becoming so positively disposed towards vaccines?
0: I'm not sure about that. I feel like people have been keeping a really close eye on polling data and what it says about willingness to be vaccinated, which has changed over time, you know. At a point last fall, when there was a lot of what seemed like political interference with the FDA and some concerns amongst people that vaccines might be pushed out before they were actually ready to be pushed out. You know, the polling data seemed to indicate that people had concerns about the vaccines. Then after the first results came out and they were so incredibly positive in terms of the efficacy of the vaccines, things started to shift. I I think shortage typically you want what you can't have. And and so in some respects, while the shortages that still exist in terms of vaccine supply versus demand, I think that works in the vaccine's favor in terms of, you know, increasing interest in in getting vaccinated. I I think the point where we'll start to see how deep this really is, is is still ahead of us. When we get to the point where there. is enough vaccine available and enough vaccination appointments available to vaccinate truly adults who are not in the high-risk groups, then we're going to start to see who's been hiding and who's not interested and how seriously not interested they they are. Also, going forward, I mean, we're going to start to get into the point where people start talking about what you might need vaccine to do, right? I, I don't know if people will start to get into vaccine mandates just yet where they actually require people to be vaccinated or else they can't do this or that. You know, it's not inconceivable that we could get to the point where if you want to go to a sporting event, you might, you know, in person, you might need to show that you've been vaccinated. It's conceivable that countries will require proof of vaccination, you know, if you're going to travel internationally. I think some of that will happen and some of that may be just the last nudge that people need you know there may be people who are not avidly opposed just aren't that interested in getting into line but if they feel like it you know not being vaccinated will be more of a hassle than getting vaccinated they may go
1: well there's been a lot of discussion of late about the the green passport in Israel and the actions undertaken by the airline industries to begin putting putting together coalitional approaches of of international apps international passports and the like and i do think we will be entering a period as as coverage rises we'll be entering a period where employers and entertainment venues and travel all of these areas are going to be facing What do they ask of their staff and what do they ask of the people who are their clients, people coming into their buildings and the like? But it cuts in a number of directions. I mean, you run into right away into discriminatory and legal complexities, but also there's lots of political culture dimensions to this. I mean, I would think that a vaccine mandate is going to be terribly received in certain quarters of America, that it will enrage people. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I think that that's
1: true. I mean, I I don't really have a sense of how
0: likely or not we are to get to broad mandates anytime soon. I mean, for one thing, all of these vaccines are currently being used under emergency use authorizations. And although I think there is some Uncertainty about this, I believe that you can't force people to get a vaccine that hasn't been fully licensed, or at least it's a question. And and I'm sure that you know whenever those kinds of debates are taking place in public health, you you have to balance the gains and the losses, and you know there will certainly be resistance if people start to try to mandate that people be vaccinated. That said, I do think that there are places where it's probably going to happen. I mean, you know, as people I've spoken to have suggested, for instance, like if you have a child that goes to university and is going to be living in a university dorm in the fall, they probably are going to need to be vaccinated.
1: Right. We were speaking recently with the CEO of one of the major U.S. airlines who said, Look, it's not our official policy quite yet, but I would hope it will be soon and I hope it will be industry-wide, but my own personal feeling is that all of our staff will have to be vaccinated, you know, and otherwise we're, we're at risk of being transmitters. And, of course, that begs also the question of at what point do we reach confidence that vaccinating actually does stop transmission?
0: Right. Well, that's something that we're going to see, <laughs> you know, as, as more and more people become vaccinated, the ability to detect whether or not people who've been vaccinated are still getting infected with mild infections and transmitting. I mean, those are the kinds of studies that need to be done now, really. Likewise, we need to figure, figure out how I mean, and this one will take time,
1: but we're going to need to figure out how long protection from the vaccine lasts. And, you know, getting back to where we started in this conversation, if adults and children have to engage in annualized vaccine campaigns, or they may need boosters, but it becomes routine, we really haven't been, I mean, other than seasonal flu, which has had fairly low uptake in some years. This is going to be a completely different standard of, for behavior in our society for an indefinite period, would you expect? Well, I'm, I'm sure actually that we don't yet
0: have a clue about whether or not boosters are going to be required that frequently. I think it's likely they'll be required at a point, but, you know, whether it's annually, whether it's every few years, you know, unfortunately, time will tell on that one. But yes, this this would be a change of behavior. One of the things that will be interesting, though, is, you know, given that the memory, as we go forward, the memory of what COVID has done and the period that we've been through will remain quite, you know, at the front of people's minds for, for a while. So, you know, the impetus to ensure that we don't get back there, it would seem to me it would be stronger than potentially somebody's sense of risk involving, you know, a flu shot, for instance. You know, people don't really necessarily... Take influenza all that seriously, although they should. And and often adults make the decision not to get vaccinated or not to vaccinate their children because they don't perceive it as a as a significant risk. But you know, a lot of people do perceive COVID as a risk, and so one could expect at least for the you know foreseeable future that that could translate into more of an uptake of vaccine going forward if we need to be vaccinated on a regular
1: or semi-regular basis. Just a short while ago, you and your colleague Andrew Joseph wrote a really nuanced and very useful piece looking at the scenarios under different timelines that we may be facing looking ahead into the future. Do you feel like you've undergone a shift towards greater optimism in the last period?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I, I don't think you know this is going to be over this summer in the way that some people seem to f- want to believe i think it's going to take a while for our immune systems to figure out how to deal with this new threat which presumably will you know exist i don't know if in perpetuity but i i would think you know it's not going away so i kind of expect that there is going to be a, a bumpy period going forward where there are, you know rates might get lower and then bump up again with, you know, some seasonal effect or when the virus gets into pockets of people that aren't vaccinated or when, you know, vaccine protection starts to wane or the protection from natural infection starts to wane. But the rapid development of the vaccines and the rapid surge in vaccine production and and the f- way that the rollout here is is going more smoothly now. It, it has given me hope. I do feel like
1: the coming year is going to be better than the last year was for sure. Well, thank you, Helen, uh, for taking the time to be with us today. And we've all really benefited from your really remarkable analyses and journalism in this last year. And we're very grateful that you would spend time with us today. Talking about this very interesting piece that just came out, raising this awesome. question of whether of whether we're we're going to grow up, and our children are going to grow up with having a carrying a different set of emotions in our heads and hearts about vaccines. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. It's been a
0: pleasure.